Thank you for tuning in to Dream City Omaha Online. We hope you like this message and that it has an impact on your life. Don't forget to like and subscribe for more. Amen. Good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing today? Good, good. How many of you have been enjoying the, the, the change in direction of the temperature over the last week, right? It's been good stuff. Uh, today we're going we're gonna to conclude our series entitled Bridges, but before we do, a couple of, couple of things that I want to share with you. Uh, if you were here at the beginning of the year, the, the start of the year, every year we ask God, you know, what are you, what are you asking us to do? What are you challenging us in this year? What's your word for us? And really felt like this is a year for us to be uh, very intentional about, about our witness, about going out as individuals and sharing the, the stories of what Jesus has done in our lives and how he's transformed our lives and what he could do for those uh, around us who need to experience and encounter the love of Jesus. And so uh, we said, God, give us, give us one person. What, who's one person I can pray for, can believe God for, that, that over the course of the year, through, through intentionality on my part and the work of the Holy Spirit in their heart, uh, believe that they're going to come, come to faith in Jesus. And then we put those names on locks and put them on the fence outside. And, and just want to, to encourage you today, because the Bible says that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And I I remember maybe you grew up like me. I grew up in, in 90s, AG, Pentecostal, charismatic, where every week was Testimony Sunday, and somebody would come up and grab the microphone and talk for 20 minutes about all the things that God had done in their lives. And so I want to share with you just a couple of stories, if that's okay, before we get started. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we had our baptism Sunday. We had several people get baptized and, and publicly uh, make that declaration that they're committed to following Jesus. After service was out in the lobby and a, a young man came up to me. He says, so what am I supposed to do with my key when I'm done? The key to his lock that he had put on the fence. He goes, what am I supposed to do with my key when I'm done? I said, well, are you done? Did they, did they come to church? Did they, did they, did they meet Jesus? Like, what? T tell me the story. And he's like, well, at the beginning of the year, I put my, my sister's name on the lock and she got baptized today. And so just want to... I want to encourage you, we, we had our first lock removed, and then, and then they each went and put, put locks on the fence, and so we have our first second generational lock on the fence. Uh, as a result of, listen, it's, it's not because of us, but it's God in us, and it's simply us praying and being intentional relationally and making it a, a matter of priority, and so I want to encourage you in that. Maybe, maybe you've got a lock up there and, and somebody that you're praying for, and maybe it's not moving as fast as you had hoped or wanted, but who knows when that harvest is going to come. There are some plants that you, you plant the seed, and the next day there's something coming forth from the ground, and Maybe it's like bamboo, where you plant it and you water it for three years and nothing happens above the surface, but it's strengthening itself below the surface. And so want to encourage you in that. And then also got a letter this week and uh, walked into my, my office and there was a letter on my desk. And letters are always fun uh, because when, when somebody sends a letter, it's because they either really liked something you did or they really didn't like something you did. And so uh, so came in and got a letter on my desk and it was it was from Texas. And I was like, man, somebody really didn't like what I did. And so I, I opened it up and wanted to encourage you. Um, for those of you that maybe are newer to Dream City, we haven't always been Dream City Church. Before that, we were Life Church, and we changed our name about five years ago. And I haven't always been the lead pastor. My dad, who spoke last week, Pastor Doby, is the founding pastor. And so when I read the first line, they didn't write it to the wrong church. I just want to let you know, contextually, they got the right place. But they said, Dear Pastor Doby Weasel or current pastor of Life Church Omaha. That's us and that's me, just so you're, 
<laughs> so you're like, what church did I walk into today? Like, it's the right place. You came to the right place. Uh, here's what he says. He says, I hope this letter finds you in great health and blessed as well as the rest of the congregation. My name is Glenn and I currently live in Texas in the prison system. A fellow inmate loaned me a book titled Seven True Stories from the Omaha Metro. Now, again, for context sake, about nine years ago, we had a publishing company come to us and say, we want to put a book together. Uh, just we want to interview some of your people hear stories of life transformation and what God has done in their lives. We want to, we want, we'll write it, we'll publish it, we'll bind it, we'll do all of that stuff. We'll print it and then we'll distribute it in the, the Omaha metro area. And so they came in and interviewed seven people from our church, got their story, their testimony, put it together in book format. And I think over the next couple of years, we mailed out like 3,500 books or so to the, in the Omaha and, and surrounding areas. So somehow over the last nine years, one of these books has switched hands and has found its way into a prison library in Texas. So he said, so I just finished the book and was blown away by how much I related to a couple of the stories. I've barely begun my walk following Jesus for the second time. I backslid greatly 16 years ago after getting released from prison the first time. I can honestly say that I had turned my back on God once he got me through prison. I talked to my Heavenly Father recently and asked for forgiveness, as well as saying that I was sorry for trying to live my life without Him. Just turning 41 years old and looking back at the two failed marriages and one relationship that was unhealthy, along with a couple brushes with the law, I will be the first to say that nothing in this world can be done without God's help and blessings and love. I have been praying and asking God what His purpose is for me, and I feel like it's sharing my testimony that maybe others are going through and they can learn from my mistakes. Talking the talk as a Christian is easy, but walking the walk is a lot tougher. But with God on our team, anything can be accomplished. A letter like this is probably random, especially coming from way down south in Texas, but I felt the need to reach out and say how much I enjoyed the book. May God continue to bless you, your family, and the church. Sincerely, Glenn. And so I got that letter... And to be honest with you, listen, to be honest, those of you that were here at the time when we had those books, many of you gave and financially to, to, for the shipping of those books. And so those books could be printed. And, and honestly, I haven't thought about that book probably in about five to six years. And this was like eight or nine years ago that we had these books printed. So I haven't, I haven't thought about these books in a long time. And then just randomly out of the blue, a decade later, get an inmate from a man in prison in Texas saying he was loaned this book and how much of an impact it's made on him. And so the encouragement in that is, is never, never disparage the seed that you're planting and, and, and never rush the process, but just trust God in the process. Process and keep planting and keep watering and trust that God is going to do the work that God does. Amen? Amen. And so I just want to encourage you with those, those stories today. Also along those lines, uh, when you came in, you should have received a card. looks like this. It says, if only I had blank. And some of you are like, should I fill in the blank? Do I have to? You don't have to fill in the blank. This is just the artwork for our next sermon series that we're starting next Sunday. And the reason we printed these and put them in your hand is, is, is really wanting to encourage you to pray over this. And then at some point this week, just use this card as a very easy invite to, to whoever that person is that you're praying for this year. Let them know, here's what we're, we're talking about at my church. And, and maybe this sounds interesting to you. Invite them to church and, and see what they say. But over the next four weeks, we'll be talking about if only I had another chance. Anybody ever want a mulligan in life? 
Everybody ever wish you had a do-over? If only I had another chance. If only I had more time. Has anybody ever said that? Get to the end of the day and just wish that there were, was more time. I wish that I had more money. Okay, nobody wants more money. So I, I scrapped the series. They, they, they have not been asking these questions. Uh, if only I had more money. And then the last week, we're going to finish it with only, if only I had purpose. If only I had meaning, if I, only I knew that my life was making a difference, if only I knew that, that it counted for something. And so that's what we're, what we're going to be talking about for the next four weeks. I want to encourage you to, to come on out and be a part of that. We're going to get into the message, but you know, at Dream City, this is how we roll. We start every message with a dad joke because laughter prepares the brain for learning and retaining information. So, uh, so this week, the, the joke of the week is, how does a dinosaur pay its bills? How does a dinosaur pay its bills? Tyrannosaurus checks. You're welcome. If you laughed, you will learn something today. If you didn't laugh, then you will walk out of here unchanged and unaffected. No, I'm just kidding. We've been talking, we've been talking about bridges, and we've been talking specifically in the context relationally, uh, because bridges, we can either burn bridges or build bridges. And in our relationships, nobody wants to be in, on an island unto themselves. I think some of us might, might think that we do, all of us introverts, might think that it would be nice to vacation to an island unto ourselves, but we were created for a relationship. We were created to be connected to one another. God said, it's not good that man's alone. So he put him to sleep and created Eve and, and brought her unto Adam as a helpmate. And so we were created for relationship. But in our relationship, how you know relationships are hard? They're tricky. They're messy. It requires grace and forgiveness and patience and all of those things that I'm not naturally good at. I don't know if you're like me or not, but, but in our lives and in our relationships, we can burn or we can build bridges. We can, we can do that in our relationship with God. We looked at that the first week. We can do that in our marriages and with our spouse. We looked at that the second week. And then last week, Pastor Doe, we talked about in the, the, the context of a family relationship as a parent to a child, child to a parent, what are those bridges? How are those burned? How are those built? Today, I don't want to necessarily talk about any specific relationship, but, but I want to give you something that is easily applicable to every relationship in your life, whether it's God, your spouse, your kids, your, your neighbor, your fiance, your coworker, your, 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 your boss, your in-laws, the person that you're praying for, whoever, whoever it is, this, this message can radically transform the temperature of every relationship in your life. And if you came for some deep theological dissertation, then you're probably going to leave uh, disappointed today because that's not what I'm going to give you. I promise you this will be a very simple message, but simple does not mean easy. But it's simple, and if we would simply take and apply the principles found in God's word, it would change the temperature and change the dynamic of every relationship that we have as we, we look at building and as we look at burning bridges, I, I wanna I wanna talk about really what I believe is, is the greatest bridge burner, the fastest way, the the easiest way to burn bridges. If you were to answer that question, if you were to think back on your relationships or or the people that you you've you've walked with and been in relationship with, as you've seen other relationships fail. What would you think? What would you say? How would you respond if asked? What do you think is the greatest bridge burner when it comes to relationships? What would you say? 
Unforgiveness. Is, uh, that's, I heard that one and that stuck out. That's a good answer. Anybody else? Trust. Distrust. Mistrust. Broken trust. I think that's a, a good answer. What about lying? Would anybody say lying? Lying is a, a good way to, to burn a bridge. Communication. Somebody in first service said communication. What else? Pride. Pride is, is that's a, a, a very good answer. Anybody else? I'll take one more. Money. Money burns bridges? Lack of money? Loaning money. Oh, you, you loan somebody some money and they don't pay you back. They're burning the bridge by not paying you back. Does anybody owe Steve some money in here? Who, who borrowed money from Steve and never paid the man back? Come on now. Let your yes be yes and your no be no, people. Pay back your loan. Steve, I got you, bro. I got you. I think, I think those are all good answers. And I, I, think, I think we could all probably relate in one relationship or another to a lot of those answers. But even, even all of those answers, I think if you were to, to think about them, they would all be, be able to be placed under one umbrella. And that umbrella is the umbrella that I want to talk to you about today. Because in, in my experience, I, I believe this is the greatest way to burn bridges. And it's, it's this. Here's the umbrella. The umbrella really is selfishness. Selfishness is the fastest way to burn any bridge in any relationship that you have. And today, I could tell you stories about me being selfish in my marriage. I could tell you about buying Red Sox World Series tickets for $1,000 before talking to my wife and her seeing, her seeing the charge on the bank account. And, and I could tell you about the awkward conversation and the phone call that I got five minutes after I got the confirmation email. I could, I could tell you stories about being selfish as a parent and how that there are times where in my relationship with my kids, there are times where it's, it's difficult for me to take an interest in the things that they're interested in because I'm not naturally interested in that. But that's very selfish for me as a parent to try and direct them to like things that I like simply because I like them and I don't want the inconvenience of having to learn something new to like what you like so that I can build relationship with you. Any parents know what I'm talking about? I could talk about the, the selfishness that I have in, in any relationship really, but uh, I wanna tell you a, a story. There, there's a, a man in town who's a former, not a former, he's a, a current pastor in, in town. And I say he's a former friend, but he's a pastor in town. So this is, this is like pastor on pastor crime. Like, we're people too, it happens. He's a pastor in town, and, and at this time, and this was years ago, at the time we were friends, we were acquaintances, we would text occasionally, we'd meet for lunch, you know, a few times a year. And in this particular day, I was at Chick-fil-A with a couple of guys, and, and I was there in the back in Chick-fil-A, and he walked in, and when he walked in, I made eye contact with him, and he made eye contact with me. And in that moment, I was like, oh, I never texted him back. Because we were supposed to get lunch two weeks earlier, and then I canceled the lunch. And I said, dude, I'm sorry something came up. I'm not going to be able to make it today. I'll let you know. We'll reschedule. I never texted him back to reschedule. So when I saw him, you ever been there where like, you see somebody and you instantly remember what you didn't do? And so I saw him, and I had that, that 
that fleeting thought and he started coming over to my table and he comes over to the table that I'm at with these other gentlemen and he puts his hand on my shoulder and he says, do you guys know him? And they're like, uh, yeah. And he says, you know, this man pointing at me, he says, this man has not been a good friend to me. And he says, we were supposed to get lunch and he canceled on me and he never rescheduled. And so, so I just want to let you know, he has not been a good friend to me. And I was like, <laughs> like, what do you say? We're like, do you want some Chick-fil-A sauce? Like, would that make it better? I don't know. It would make it better for me. I don't know. And then he just turned, he turned and walked out and we just sat there like, wow. Like that was, that was, I did not anticipate, I didn't see that coming. I didn't see that happening. And I can honestly tell you that from that day until today, I have not sent one text message. I've not had one conversation. And, and I, I say that, listen, I say that because it would be very easy for us today to sit here and judge this other man because of his selfishness and burning this bridge and the part that he played. And how could he say that? How dare he say that? And it would be very easy for us. But, but listen, I want you to know that I'm not telling that story so that we can judge this other man and his selfishness. Because while I can't control what the other man did, what I could control is my response to what he did. And as selfish as it was for him to light his end of the bridge, I took a blowtorch to my end of the bridge by harboring unforgiveness in my heart. And in selfishness, he said, and he was hurt and he felt, so he did. But in selfishness, I responded with unforgiveness, which then led to, led to bitterness, which then led to offense and then led to judgmental attitudes and thoughts and a heart posture towards him to where now I would watch on social media and do nothing but judge everything he did and everything he said from this place of unforgiveness out of selfishness, because who do you think you are to come up to this table and say that in front of my friends. Like, and so I tell you that story, not to highlight his selfishness, but in, in, in all reality, my selfishness far outweighs his selfishness because for him, after that, it was over. For me, I carried it for years. Selfishness is the easiest way to burn a bridge in any relationship. Here's what the Bible tells us in, in 1 Corinthians. Go and put that scripture up. It says, don't be concerned for your own good, but for the good of others. Notice that, that Paul doesn't say, don't just be concerned for your own good. Notice that Paul doesn't say, don't only look out for yourself. As if to qualify that there's, there's some selfishness that's okay. As if to qualify some of those selfish thoughts or attitudes or tendencies that we have are totally fine. No, Paul says, don't even do it. Don't think about your own interests. Don't think about your own concerns. Don't think about your own cares, but instead for those of others. Well, how can I do that? Because if you go back to the gospels and you see what Jesus says, he says, don't worry about tomorrow or what you're going to eat or what you're going to wear because your father knows what you need and he'll provide it because he knows what you need even before you ask. So, so don't look out for your own concerns, but instead use your energy and your effort and your thoughts and your passions to, to look out for the concerns of others. But how many of us do that? That's a question that I struggled with this week and a question that I want to pose to you. When's the last time you made a conscious decision to do something that didn't benefit you? 
but benefited people around you? When's the last time you made a conscious decision to do something for somebody else knowing that it wasn't good for you and you were going to get nothing in return? Selfishness is easy for us as humans because it's kind of hardwired in, right? There's that, that self-preservation instinct, that survival instinct. That's why we, we hear stories about the two men who are walking in the woods and they walk up on the mama bear and her cubs and mama bear is getting ready to charge. So the man looks over at his friend. His friend is bent down, tying his shoes, lacing up his shoes. Tells his friend, like, what are you lacing up your shoes for? You can't outrun the bear. And the man says, I don't have to outrun the bear. I just have to outrun you. That doesn't benefit you, it benefits me. But it's that survival instinct. I, I just have to survive. I just have to get myself through this. We all have that wired into us. But when we look at the gospel and we read God's word, so much of what Jesus came, he, he said, and he flipped the way of thinking on his head. You've heard it said, but I tell you this. You know, it's, it's, it's said, don't commit adultery, but I tell you this, anyone who, who looks lustfully on a woman has committed adultery in his heart. You've heard it said, but I tell you, pray for your enemies, love them, bless them. It's like, that's so foreign to how we're naturally, naturally wired and our, our natural tendencies, but that's what Jesus did. And so, so this morning, as we, we look at at selfishness, what does that look like in, in our relationships? It looks like lying. It looks like all those things that we said earlier. You lie out of a place of selfishness, either to get something or to hide something. But either way, it's, it's about you and what you want or what you don't want. Unforgiveness, we've talked about that. How many of you, how many of you have ever just wanted to take revenge, just pay back? And like they, they had it coming. You see something bad happen to somebody else and your first response is they had it coming. Payback, right? What goes around comes around. And we, we, we like that saying because we like when it comes around. We don't necessarily like when we're the one that it's coming around to, but we like seeing other people get theirs. I heard about a story about a man, a man who was walking through a park and there's this young boy sitting on this park bench and he walks upon this boy and this boy, is, he's, he's visibly uncomfortable and his face is distorted. He's in pain and the man walks up to him and says, son, are you okay? And the, the young man fighting, fighting back tears, he says, no, I'm not. Man says, well, what's the matter? He says, well, when I sat down on this bench, I think I sat down on a bee because it stung me and now my, my cheek is hurting. And the man says, well, why don't you just stand up? And the kid's sitting there. He's like, no, because I think I'm hurting him more than he's hurting me. And I wonder how many of us, how many of us function in relationships that way where there's pain but rather than standing up and addressing and alleviating the pain, as long as in my mind, I'm hurting them more than they're hurting me, it's selfishness. So much of what we do that burns bridges relationally comes back to selfishness. Gossip is about selfishness. Impatience is about selfishness. I want it and in my timetable when I want it. Judgmental attitude is a result of selfishness. First Peter chapter 3, 9 says, don't repay evil for evil. But give them back what? Go and put 1 Peter 3 up there. Don't retaliate with insults, with people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. <laughs> like, that's hard. Have you ever been insulted? Like, really insulted? How difficult would it be just to like in that moment to say and to really mean 
and to really pray, God, would you bless this person? God, would you just, would you just fill their heart with love and grace? And those things that they've been striving for and the things that they've been worrying about, Lord, as they cast their care upon you, Lord, I pray that you would meet each and every one of those needs. I've never done that. Like, I'm just, honestly, that's hard. That's a radical way of living, and yet that's how we are called to live. Don't pay back. Don't take revenge. Don't hold on to unforgiveness. Don't, don't gossip. Don't slander. Don't all of these things that we do on a daily basis. And yet Galatians chapter 2 says, I'm crucified with Christ, but it's not I that live, but it's Christ that lives in me. What does that mean? That means I've died to myself. Jesus said to pick up your cross daily and to follow me. And so in dying to myself, that means that, that, that the old me is dead and dead people don't get to be selfish. If you are, if you are experiencing or recognizing selfishness in your heart, then you're not dead enough. And you need to, to go to God and say, God, what do I need to die to in my life so that I can follow you the way that you've instructed me to? I put together a little test for you. Kind of like a Jeff Foxworthy-ish, you might be a redneck if, but it's not redneck, it's you might be selfish if. So just if you haven't felt your toes stepped on yet, just wait like three minutes and I promise you, you will. So here's the first one. You might be selfish if you don't think you're selfish. I'm not selfish. That's kind of a selfish thing to say. Selfishness is defined as caring only for one's own concerns, not thinking about the concerns of others. Essentially, 1 Corinthians chapter 10. You might be selfish if you're always right. I don't want to see you elbowing the person next to you. This is not a, this is not a, you know, don't respond, but just take this test internally. Take this test in your heart. Next one, you might be selfish if you have to be in control. Just leave that there. You might be selfish if you don't work well with others. There's a group project at work and you're the last one to get picked. You might be selfish because nobody wants to work with you. How many like working with selfish people? Nobody. Nobody wants to work with that person. That might be you. Next one. You might be selfish if it's always someone else's fault. If you can't take responsibility for your actions, even even though they, yeah, they did something. Yeah, absolutely. But there's, there's always two sides to every story. There's always two sides to a coin. Can you take responsibility for your actions? The same way that I could have very easily stood up here and said, this man burned the bridge of our relationship. But no, like there are, there are, there was a role that I played in that. But if you have a hard time finding the role that you played in it, and it's always somebody else's fault, you might deal with selfishness. The next one, you might be selfish if it's hard to forgive other people. 
holding on to that because in your mind, I'm hurting them. You're not hurting them. The only person that you're hurting is yourself. The next one, you might be selfish if you complain a lot and a lot should be capitalized in this. You complain a lot. <sighs> the bed's too hard. The bed's too soft. My pillow's not comfortable enough. It's too hot in here. It's too cold in here. The food was too late. They didn't refill my glass on time. There's too much ice in my soda. They didn't bring me lemons when I, when I asked for lemons. Selfish people will always find something to complain about. Stop being so selfish. If you're always complaining, you might be selfish. You might be selfish if your relationships are about me and not we. If every, every relationship you have is so that you can get something out of it and not give something to it, you are selfish. You might be selfish if compromise is a foreign concept. Meeting in the middle that goes back to getting your own way. You might be selfish if it's, it's hard for you to be happy for other people. You might be selfish if, if, if any of those hit home for you, then, then I would encourage you this week to, to take that to God in prayer and say, God, like, what are you trying to point your finger at? What are you trying to show me in me? Not, not would you help my husband to hear this or would you help my best friend at work to hear this or would you help the, the person that I sit next to in class hear this? But would you help me hear this? What are you trying to show me? Because selfishness is the fastest way to burn a bridge. But then what's the opposite of selfishness? So if we don't want to burn bridges and we want to build them, what's the opposite of selfishness? Selflessness. Thinking of ourselves less. In the, the, the Greek language, there are four words that are used for love. Really predominantly three words used for love. The first Greek word for love is this word eros. It's where we get erotic from. It's a, a passionate, sensual type of love. The, the second word is phileo, which is where we, we came up with Philadelphia, which is the city of brotherly love, not Rocky, son. Yes, you're right, but it's not, it's not what Philadelphia means. Philadelphia does not mean the city of Rocky. You're right there, though. Uh, the city of brotherly love. Phileo in the Greek language means brotherly love. And so it's this affectionate, like, I love you, bro, familial type of, of love. And then there's the, the Greek word agape, which is oftentimes the word in the New Testament, when the, the New Testament writers wrote the New Testament, that's the word that they would use to, to talk about the love that God has for us. And, and oftentimes the love that we are to have for each other. And it's this, this self selfless, this self-sacrificial, this what can I do for you, this emptying of my cup so that yours could be full. How can I serve you? How can I honor you? How can I lay down my coat so that you can walk? That's the type of love that is communicated in this word agape. And so really, if, if we don't want to be selfish, then we can be selfless. But really, when it comes to being selfless, what we're really saying is we just need to love. And while selfishness is the greatest way to burn bridges, love is the greatest way to build bridges. In fact, when we remove selfishness, go ahead and put that quote back up there. When we remove selfishness from relationships, the only thing that's left is love. You want your relationship to grow? Then remove selfishness so that what remains can be selflessness. Because if it's not about me, then it's about others. How do we... 
How do we do this? How do we demonstrate this love? Two things I want to give you and then we're going to dismiss. The first way to demonstrate this type of love in your relationship to to build these bridges is to speak love. Speak love. What are the words that you are using? Because your words are a thermostat for your relationships. Your words will set the temperature. Your words will will set the atmosphere. Your words will determine the environment that your relationship functions in. What does a thermostat do? It, it regulates. It says it's too hot in here, so you, you move it, and now it's, it's a little bit cooler, although now it's a little bit too cold in here. And some of you have put your jackets on since the beginning of service, and you're like sitting there shaking, and so then you move it again, and you got to find that right. Your words do that in your relationships. You have the power of life and death in the tongue is what the Bible says. You can build up or you can tear down. What are you choosing to do with your words? How quick are you to encourage others or are you stingy with your words? Do you expect them to come and tell you how you did such a great job, but you never go out of your way to tell somebody else how well they did at work and how how good their project was and how well their performance was? You, You never go out of your way to encourage somebody else, but you expect the world to come alongside you and pat you on the back. Do you speak love with those around you. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Go and put that scripture up there. Encourage one another and build each other up. We talk about building bridges. How do we do that? By encouraging one another. When's the last time you went out of your way just to encourage somebody? When's the last time you went out of your way just to to tell someone, you look good? When's the last time you walked up to somebody at the gym and said, are you losing weight? You want to encourage somebody at the gym? Just go ask them if they're losing weight. When's the last time you looked in the mirror and encouraged yourself? Are you losing weight? (laughs) But then that would be lying. So is that selfishness or is that speaking love? I don't really know. When's the last time you did that though? Like think about how nice that's felt when somebody has done that for you. And you could do the same thing for somebody else, but we're so, so absorbed in our own little world. It's hard for us to, to see anybody outside of that. 59 times in the New Testament, as followers of Jesus, so today if, if you're here and you're a follower of Jesus, you've placed your faith in him, you've committed to following him for the rest of your life, then, then these apply to you. If you haven't, then you can go ahead and forget about this part. But if you're here today and you're a follower of Jesus, 59 times in the New Testament, you are commanded to one another. To, to pray for one another and to bear one another's burdens and to encourage one another. 59 commands, not suggestions, that you and I cannot do as followers of Jesus unless we are actively building bridges in relationships. When it comes to showing or, or speaking our words, we're commanded to encourage one another. We're commanded to speak to one another with psalms and hymns. We're commanded to not lie to one another. It says, teach one another, admonish one another, don't slander one another, don't grumble against each other, confess your sins to one another, pray for one another. All of these one another's have to do with demonstrating our our love by the words that we say and what comes from our mouth. God, help us to demonstrate love by speaking it. 
But then it's not enough to say it because James says, you know, you say you have faith, I'll show you my faith by my deeds. Because it's one thing to speak it and it's another thing to show it. It's easy to talk the talk, it's harder to walk the walk. So demonstrating love is not just in the words that you say, but it's in the actions that you do. It's, it's in how you live your life. Galatians chapter five, here's what the Bible says. You've been called to life in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Don't use it to satisfy those selfish desires. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. Use your freedom to serve one another. First Peter says, use the gifts that you've been given to serve one another. Everything that you've been given from your freedom to your giftings to the way that God has created you and made you has been done so with the intent and the purpose of serving those around you. He didn't give you those gifts so you could build a platform for yourself. He didn't give you those gifts so that you could climb the corporate ladder. He didn't give you those gifts so that you can make a name for yourself. He gave you those gifts so that you could make his name famous, so that you can serve those around you, so that you could care not just for your own concerns, but for the concerns of others. Not only are we told to one another with our words, but we're also told to wash one another's feet, to live in harmony with one another, to honor one another above yourselves, to carry one another's burdens, to forgive one another, submit to one another, love one another deeply from the heart, offer hospitality to one another. And that's what I'm really working on, offering hospitality. Because how many of you, when somebody comes over, as soon as like five minutes, like, okay, It was good to see you. Right? Like doorbell rings and it's like everybody hide. Shh. Don't move. You have that glass pane in your door. It's like if I move, if I if I move, they'll see me. If I don't move, maybe they'll just think I'm a cushion on the couch or something. Offer hospitality. It's not just having people over, right? But take somebody to lunch. Be hospitable. To one another, some of you, you walk around and the, the, the best way for you to be hospitable is just to change this, all this. Hospitable does not look like this. Some of you have RBF and if you don't know what that is, don't Google it. I'm just saying like, if you know, you know. I know, Carl, I'm sorry, pray for me. <laughs> this is not hospitable. Some of you have to change it. Just put a smile on your face. Like I can't have somebody over my house. I can't take somebody to lunch. Smile, smile, show love. Let the joy of the Lord be your strength. I'm going through a hard time, but dang it, you're going through. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil and I'll do it with a smile on my face. Why? Because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And so change some of that. And listen, I'm like, okay, I'll move on. I know, I already got myself in trouble. Start playing, please, to shut me up. You can either build or you can burn. 
You were created for relationship. And I think we all know the, the pain that comes from burned bridges. We've all experienced relationships that, that came to a tragic end. But we are called to be peacemakers. Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, in the Gospel of Matthew, said, Blessed are the peacemakers. Notice he didn't say peacekeepers. It's easy to keep peace. It's harder to make peace. To keep peace means I just have to keep the status quo the status quo. To make peace means that I have to go out of my way and humble myself to serve somebody. We're called to be peacemakers. So you can continue to walk around selfish and live on your own little island, but it will be an island of loneliness. It will be an island of emptiness. It will be an island of, of loss and misery and depression. And some of us introverts would, would say, you know, I want to I wanna be on that. No, you don't. Because you know who else is on that island? You are. If I could just be by myself, then all my problems, no, because you take yourself with you wherever you go. So being on an island of yourself is not the life that you have been called to, but it's, it's to be one that builds bridges, establishes connection, builds relationship. Or you can continue to, to be selfish or you can, you can love. You can care about your own concerns or you can think about the, the concerns of others. At the end of the day, it's, it's your choice and nobody can make you do it. And we can make you do anything. I'm just here today to ask you, just to try to stop being so selfish. As a parent of teenagers, I've learned that a lot of parenting is just trying to help my kids not be so selfish. When they're toddlers, you're always telling them, you know, share your toys. Don't throw your toy at your brother. That's not nice. Then they, they get a little bit, a little bit older, right? And stop hiding Dr. Pepper's behind the spinach in the vegetable drawer. <laughs> and then somebody drank their Dr. Pepper that they thought was well hidden. And then for two days, listen, this is real talk from the Weasel House this week. <laughs> for two days, we talked about who drank my Coke. There was a Coke that I brought home and I hid it and it got drank. And finally, after two days, Jace was like, I drank the Coke. I said, son, stop being so selfish. Angel opened the fridge and all her Thin Mints were gone. Stop being so selfish. Like as a parent, as a parent, and those of you that are parents, you, you understand the struggle. Just trying to help kids not be so selfish. But then like, thought about it and like as a pastor, a lot of my job is just trying to help you not be so selfish. Somebody once asked me, what's the difference between youth ministry and adult ministry? I said, nothing. They're just older. But it's the same stuff. People struggling with their identity. People struggling with their purpose. People struggling in relationships. People trying to figure out what it looks like to follow Jesus. 
It's the same stuff. It just manifests itself differently and it has greater consequences the older you get. So I'm not here to, to tell you, you have to do this, you have to do that. I'm just here to ask you, just pause this week and consider laying your needs and desires off to the side and instead caring about the needs of others. James chapter three, and then I'll close and we'll be dismissed. Go and put that last scripture up there. James writes and he says, if you're wise and understand God's ways, I think that's who we all want to be. Prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you're bitterly jealous and there's selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom, but such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. If that doesn't hurt you to the core, not, not don't be selfish because it's bad. Not share your toys. But if there's selfishness and jealousy in your heart, it's unspiritual and demonic. For wherever there's jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. But the wisdom from above is first of all pure. It's also peace-loving. It's gentle at all times. It's willing to yield to others. It's full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism. It's always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a, reap a harvest of righteousness. I don't know about you, but I, I don't want the unspiritual demonic stuff. I want the peace and the righteousness. But how do we do that? We move from operating out of selfishness to operating out of love, speaking it and showing it in every interaction that we have. Amen, church. Amen. Stand with me this morning. Let's pray, and then we'll be dismissed. And those of you that need to forgive me, you can forgive me. Maybe you're here today, though, and, and as we talk about bridges, maybe you haven't, you haven't set, taken steps to cross that bridge of relationship between you and God. Maybe you've been working really hard and you've had this idea that if just my, my good deeds outweigh my bad deeds, then maybe... At the end of it all, I'll be okay. And the Bible is very clear. The Bible tells us that we are saved by grace through faith in Jesus, that that is the only way that we can get to heaven. It says that we're all sinners. We all have sinned. But the, the good news is this, that there was this gap between God and humanity that could not be bridged by humanity. No matter what we did and no matter what we said, but but God, as the greatest bridge builder of all, says that in John chapter 3, because he loved the world, he gave his son. Says that Jesus demonstrated his love in that while we were still sinners, he died for us. And so this idea of building bridges out of love is not new and it's not unique. And it wasn't my idea, but, but it's who God is and it's what God's done. And he's built this bridge between you and himself and all that you need to do in order to get from one side to the other is just to put your faith in Jesus. 
to confess your sins, allow him to forgive your sin and receive the free gift of salvation. Today, if that's you, the Bible says that anybody who calls upon the name of the Lord would be saved. And I wanna, I wanna pray with you, I wanna pray for you, I wanna lead you in a prayer and there's nothing magical about this prayer. It's just a, a prayer of repentance and confession and acceptance. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're here today and you wanna take steps across that bridge of relationship between you and God, I'm gonna ask you to repeat this prayer. Church, would you help us to pray today? Just say, Jesus, thank you so much that you gave up your life so I can find new life in you. I confess I'm a sinner. I've messed up. Would you forgive me? Would you wash me and would you cleanse me? Help me to live according to your word from this day forward. I place my faith in you. I place my hope in you. I place my trust in you. Would you lead me and guide me in all of your ways? In Jesus' name. Now let me pray for you today, Lord. I thank you for those that prayed that prayer. I thank you, Lord, that, that even as they're taking steps across that bridge right now, we celebrate with the angels in heaven who are rejoicing over one who has come home, over one who has, has repented of their ways and turned towards you. We celebrate that today. Lord, help us to, to lead, help us to, to guide, help us to encourage, help us to instruct, help us to, to, to build one another up relationally. Help us to be bridge builders and not bridge burners. Help us to move from selfishness to selflessness as we allow the love of God to work through us. Go with us this week. Give us opportunities to speak it and to show it. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. Amen. God bless you. Hey, don't forget to take your invite next week. If only I had. It's going to be a great time. You're not going to want to miss it. Bring somebody with you. At Dream City Omaha, we're all about helping each other do three things discover Christ, recover identity, and uncover purpose. Please check out our past sermon series or online discipleship classes. And don't forget to hit subscribe and the bell for notifications on all of our latest videos.